Well, welcome to Carving a New Path. My name is Andrea Hyland, and I am the host of the show. And just to give you a few lines about how this all came about, the podcast began in 2020 in response to all the change that people were experiencing. And I decided to invite guests on to have conversations about times where they listened to their inner voice and out of that listening birthed new ways of being in the world. And it might've come from a dramatic ending or it might've been a spark to start something new. So today's show, episode 24, is a conversation with Sophia Wren and her journey as a writer and a teacher. And I'm so happy that you're here, Sophia, for to have this conversation. So welcome. So excited. Thank you. And before we begin our conversation, I just want to share a few things about Sophia from an official bio. Um, Sophia Wren helps sensitive people write for a book or business so that they can serve a wider audience. Sophia has pursued a passion for publishing online and in books for over 20 years. And for 10 years, she's run her own business, learning how to sell and connect with writing. She now focuses on entrepreneurs and writers ready to hone their writing, reach the people they are here to serve, and feel the love. And she is the creator of 21 Day Heartfelt Writing Challenge, which begins on December 18th, the next one. I've participated in a number of them, but I know this next one I've already signed up and I'm excited to see what comes from that. Yeah. 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 So, Thanks for joining. Yeah. And reading your bio, I also just find myself reflecting on how we met in 2012 at an on-purpose woman's uh, networking. They were called networking at that time. Now she, it's a global community where people can, I mean, it's, it, what is networking, but connecting. With <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I just remember we went out to lunch afterwards with a group of people. And I remember from that meeting, your passion for writing, your passion mm -hmm. for using your voice and finding ways to bring it out into the world and helping others, you know? And so, wow, it's been an amazing, uh, how many years is that? 10, 11 years of knowing you and each of us watching each other evolve, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been a wonderful connection. I'm really glad that we got to meet. It's been yeah. so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Always wonderful to meet a fellow writer and, um, and someone who writes from their heart. So I just wanted yes. to acknowledge you for that and how you bring that to your work. Oh, thank you. It's mutual. Mm. Well, all right, let's jump into the conversation. And I want to start by asking you, how did you start writing? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, because I, I first put pen to paper, kind of recreationally outside of school when I was pretty young, like eight or 10 or 12. And it was when I was about that age that I started my first uh, blog because um, I had that I'm 36 now. So that was like right at the end of the nineties. And 
we could have blogs then. And um, it wasn't something I, I really was doing every day or anything. You know, it was just sort of when I felt like it. And it was just for a few friends that knew about it. Um, but it was a really powerful outlet for me to express some feelings that I couldn't get into um, about stuff going on in my home. I was being kind of bullied by my dad's second wife, who is long gone now, but um, I couldn't be expressing myself safely at home. Um, and obviously that has an effect on any kid. But it wasn't something I really took seriously until after college when, you know, I was really kind of reevaluating my life. And and now I could see it wasn't just that I had this one person that was the source of all my problems. I was starting to see patterns. I was starting to see that repeatedly there would be people in my life who were pushing me around. And I started to wonder, where am I in this pattern? Am I creating this pattern? Am I doing something wrong by being a doormat or not having boundaries? Or like, what's the deal? How do we stop this? <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, especially when my boss stole from me. I had a boss that stole several hundred dollars for me. And it was just like, never in my mind would I have imagined that bosses steal from their employees. I was just like, what? Like, what do you, and it was supposedly a very successful person. I was just, it made no sense to me. I had not expected it, but in my gut, I had kind of felt something was wrong early on and not trusted it. And that's where I was like, there's something that I need to look at <clears throat> inside of myself that I think could change a lot of this stuff. And so and I was also wondering about my future because I had just graduated college. I was pretty young at the time, like 22. Um, and so I started to read uh, Julia Cameron's Artist Way. And she has you write morning pages every day, three pages a day. And I started getting really serious about it. And I would do it every day. Um, and when I started, I had a lot of free time. But very quickly, I started my first job where I was working 60 hours a week uh, through AmeriCorps in Philly. Philadelphia and in the schools with kids in a K through eight. And it was really stressful. And of course that dropped off. Um, I didn't have a lot of time, but I kind of started to still, I still enjoyed writing, you know, it was still something that I had enjoyed. It gave me a really good feeling. So when I could, I would start, I would fit it in. And then I noticed that those days that I started writing at lunch or even woke up 20 minutes earlier to be at 5.20 a.m. Mm -hmm. for me, and I'm not a morning person, I would literally wake up 20 minutes earlier um, when it was dark out to write just because I noticed how much better I felt during the day. My mental health was better. Um, and really every single part of my life was positively affected by that because it gave me a lot more intentionality and clarity and groundedness to deal with the challenges of my job, to deal with the questions about my future, to navigate relationships, which again, I was coming into with a lot of trauma and bad modeling. So they were kind of in a weird place and I needed to get out of those old patterns. And also um, just feeling more confident about myself and exploring other desires and creative avenues, started drawing and making music and going to open mics and doing all kinds of stuff for myself. Even though I, I worked 60 hours a week and I literally only had like three hours a day that was for me to eat and rest and have fun and then go to sleep. So I managed to do a lot in the really short amount of time I had because of the writing. Um, and so I just knew how much it benefited me. I immediately wanted to teach others. I think I started to propose a class 
uh, when I worked at that job in the schools. But the vice principal said I could totally start a writing group if I was going to teach the five point essay Mm -hmm. to these K through eighth graders. And I just thought, yeah, they're going to hate writing if I do that. So I'm not going to do that. Who wants to stay stay after school and do unneeded homework? I wanted to teach them what I teach now, which is more of a heartfelt writing, ways to connect to yourself, ways to connect to others, ways to sort things out and um, process things and find yourself, find a better way to be yourself, find a better life. So I think that that's really what people want to be reading these days. We love to hear personal stories. We love to hear about people's life experience. It just hits us differently than how-to information. And there's plenty of, I mean, there's plenty of how-to information out there. It has its purpose, but I really enjoy the benefits that I've gotten from writing about my life and sharing it and feeling the love of the people that have been there for me uh, in receiving my words and also connecting with people for my business that I can help. I did all kinds of different things when I started a business um, 10 years ago, writing kind of led me to that clarity that that's what I was going to do in the future is I was going to start my own business to help people. And then I didn't have any middleman saying you can only teach writing this or that way, or you can only do this or that thing. I could make those decisions myself was really important to me. And um, yeah, it's been a journey. I've done a lot of different things, healing practices. I used to sell uh, massage and tarot readings and all these other kind of intuitive healing type of things, different kinds of like life coaching things before I really found the confidence in myself to just kind of claim, you know, I teach writing, I'm a writer. Um, and I worked on different uh, marketing teams, doing writing for that, uh, editing books, ghostwriting, things like that. Before I really, it really took me a long time to own that I'm a writer, but I really feel passionately about like, we can all be writers. It's, it's not an exclusive club. Um, and just even if you only do it for yourself, it's just really beneficial. Yeah. Well, so that's there, my long answer. <laughs> there, are, there are so many incredible points in here. I'm like looking at where I was taking notes to just come back and, and ask you a few more questions to go into it, because I feel like you're, you know, first of all, a new beginning is there was a point where you weren't writing and then you got the, the spark, the idea to write and try that out. First question I want to ask you is, um, I mean, because, you know, there's a age difference between us of, I don't know, 30 years, maybe, that you came into a, a time in the world where there were things that were available to put your writing out into the world. And I'm wondering mm. what that was like when you, for even to a small group of people, but what that was like to put it out so publicly Mm-hmm. And weren't even thinking that it could get into Google searches or whatever that other people True. could find it and see it or whatever. But even sharing yeah. with a few people, I wonder if you'd talk about that. And also even the idea of sharing our writing with others, which you have a lot of experience mm-hmm. with working with people around that. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely in the beginning was a bumpy path, you know, like speaking of like not being aware of Google and things like that. Like I was really interested in poetry when I was a teenager. And I think I submitted a poem to like an online daily digest 
of poems, you know, like you could have your, I think you could win a prize. Um, but they published, you know, a poem of mine. And I think I found it when I was like 15 and I was just like, Oh my God, no, I didn't realize it's going to be on Google and you search my name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I couldn't wait for that to get buried in the search results after some time had passed and then no longer liked it. Um, also when I was in middle school, I played around with my friends and I was writing a little bit of fan fiction about Pokemon and my friend as she's so amazing. I love her, but she went online and she put my story up on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> and she attached my name to it. So it came up in search results and I was like, no, why did you do that? It's <laughs> in my search results. So it was very embarrassing, you know, being a teenager and realizing how your words could haunt you, you know, and like you could regret what you put out. So I learned that very easily, very early. And it gave me a caution that, and the fact that if someone found in my family found my blog, I knew I was going to be censored or something bad was going to happen. I had no, you know, I had, I had that sense. So I really cared a lot about my privacy. I only, um, started to share things privately with my friends and hopefully they didn't republish them. <laughs> um, but, um, and yeah, for the most part that went great. Um, but then it was interesting because I think after the school years, like when you, after you graduate high school and stuff like that, everyone kind of goes their own direction. So I didn't realize the value I had had in having this sort of audience that was kind of always ready to read whatever I wrote. Cause I was writing about personal things. I would only tell my friends. So they were all into reading it. But I didn't realize that that's actually not something everyone has, you know, that that having people to read, um, like later I started a blog in college and I just kind of got the sense of like, no one's reading this and it wasn't as fun. Um, and so it's kind of a tug and a pull, like at the same time, I want to connect and be read. But on the other side of it, uh, what if something bad happens? What if I regret this? What if? you know, someone doesn't like me or, you know, whatever. So it's, it was very complicated from the beginning. And when I started getting serious about writing every day, that was kind of the first time I really put a lot of energy into just writing for me. And that's a really big deal because, um, yeah, I think that it was never, it was not even something I was really aware of at the time, but, um, I think especially being younger, you know, you're very social and you you care a lot about your friends and your peers and, you know, you're trying to connect to um, feel safe. Um, but this was the first time I was kind of finding safety in this relationship with myself. And that's been an ongoing relationship. It's been an ongoing process. I don't think it really ends uh, until you end, <laughs> that you stop having a relationship with yourself or even wanting to have a better one. Um, but that was really important to me. And I, I think that because it, because of the nature of how I was writing, I was writing these morning pages where you're just sort of stream of consciousness, dumping whatever's in your brain, just, just writing to fill pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I never saw them as something that was finished enough to share, but it did draw me to just sort of uncork my creativity. And then I was writing short stories and, and other things that I would share eventually. But, um, it took me some years to really feel like I could be public again um, with my writing. And, you know, and even when I did start to share a lot more online, um, at first I had like another name 
that I had my writing hidden under like a pen name, which is totally fine if people want to do that. But I had this sense that I wasn't, that there was something secretive about it, that I wasn't being my full self, that I didn't feel a sense of like safety that I wanted to have. So I ended up kind of combining my pen name with my real name. And that's how I became Sophia Wren, which is the name I go by now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I even recently tacked my last name on the end. So I'm Sophia Wren Nietzsche. So, you know, I was my dad's daughter who passed, he passed away two years ago. But um, Sophia Wren is my public persona and it is me and it is my writing and it is available on Google. You can find me (laughs) anywhere. It is not a secret. And that was a humongous change. And um, it wasn't something I did right away. And I always tell people that you don't have to put everything out there right away because it almost feels like today, like the private spaces are like taboo and like look down on that you're not publicly sharing everything. Like, it's like, oh, well then you must not think well of yourself or your work must not be any good. It's like one of those two things, or you're not motivated and you're not goal oriented and you're not successful. I don't know. There's something like lesser about you and your writing process. If you're not sharing everything now to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's almost like a judgment and that is just BS. Um, So many famous writers, so many famous thinkers and amazing geniuses have a private space to go through their their process in their own private space and it's almost like um i really feel like it's like a necessity for any woman to kind of claim that right to have that privacy um because you know especially for people who had siblings or family members who might have invaded their journal or their private space that there's almost like a trauma around that, that they can't have that. But it's such a shame because it really, I really don't think that I would have grown as much if I hadn't had that. And I I feel kind of bad for the younger generations I see now who even more are tapped into social media and the network between everybody, because it's like, they're not being modeled that they're not seeing that it's good to have a private space. There's good to have a division between your personal world and the public world. And I know in an ideal, maybe in an ideal society, we would need such a thing, but it's not really even about need because um, it's about the process of powerful communication and what that takes. And um, we have all these things, again, that these judgments about being authentic is important, that we need to be transparent and we need to be sharing every part of our life to be authentic or to be vulnerable. And these are, these are prized qualities. And, and you might even get positive things out of that from likes and comments and reactions from people to, to get an emotional response from people. And I'm definitely somebody who's put a lot of my personal stuff out there. So that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But as I've gotten older, I've come to really value my privacy and to understand that every storyteller omits details every storyteller holds some things back not in a mean not in a mean way or a weird way or a creepy way or a secretive way but to direct your attention and focus to the beginning middle end of the story and the storyteller decides this is the beginning that's important out of everywhere i could start the story i want to start here out of every detail i could include i'm going to include like one two three and out of every way i could end the story i'm going to end it here And these are deliberate decisions that can take a lot of time that you don't see. 
And that's the kind of thing that somebody might figure out in private if they're sharing their life story or another or writing fiction even that it takes some time to kind of almost like a, a what are those little Rubik's cubes to kind of remove the Rubik's cube around like how do I want to tell this story how do I want to display this to other people so that way when I come out of my private space I've got my my storyteller cape and I am ready to weave some magic <laughs> with my story and do this big reveal of the thing I'm really trying to communicate. And in today's noise, you really can't be understated how powerful, like just make your point. <laughs> uh, it's really important because, um, and I know I'm like going on and on, but right now it's the economy that we're really working with as writers and as communicators or as entrepreneurs, the economy, it's not just about a financial economy. It's an intention economy. It's about all of the other things, the distractions, the um, things vying for your attention to watch or read or listen to, or, you know, and it's like not just quantity, but it's also about the velocity of things coming at you where you might think, oh, I'm going to go share some news about something going on in my business and you go online to do that. And now suddenly you're taken on another journey (laughs) to answer everyone else's messages and see what everyone else is doing. And now you're going down this rabbit hole and you've just lost your, um, your attention has been pulled in all these directions. And so when people think they have to be online in this public sphere, they don't realize they might think, oh, this is a free service. I'm using a free app to share about my things. But you are there is a cost mm-hmm. to it because you're losing all of this bandwidth. And you're also letting instead of being the powerful storyteller, making the decisions about what is important in your stories, you're now allowing other people to make that decision for you. You're now influenced to appease them and also you know, whatever, wherever, and in whatever sphere you're sharing. So it's really important, especially for women and people who are of color and of marginalized communities to have a private space so that you can make an empowered choice about what is important to you and how is that going to play into everything in your life and as well as all the things that you communicate. Yeah, I love I love that whole exploration and you sharing all the threads of that because part of it is be authentic with what you share. It does not say share everything in order to be authentic. No. Exactly. Be authentic with what you share. Yeah. And if you feel pressure. like a pressure to share everything, it's like, well, that's like being authentic isn't about pressure or about trying to meet other people's expectations or be like other people. It's about kind of the young Carl Jung's idea of individuation, of finding yourself as an individual and being more of that individual. That's what you're trying to express authentically who you are. Absolutely. I love that. Um, Something that I've just noticed comes up every year and I'm sure comes up when you're working with people is this idea where people want feedback on their writing Mm -hmm. and there will be like an open, like I want feedback. 
And something that I know working with women in creating safe spaces that I have in the incubator every year is that what feels most important to me is women learning learning to stand in what they've written mm-hmm. and without mm-hmm. approval from anyone, but to write it, read it out loud a number of times and to stand in it before asking someone to critique it or give feedback on it. So I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about that from your perspective on this, um, yeah, someone right away wanting feedback on what they've written. Yeah. And, you know, my favorite way to give feedback, I think, is moving things around without adding a whole lot mm-hmm. to it, you know, to maintain someone's voice. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't see it as like right and wrong. You know, for instance, I have some clients who English is their second language. So the may, the way that they put words together is different. But I think it's important to, I want to make sure that they're communicating maybe what they're trying to communicate. So if I can't understand, you know, I'll let them know. But I don't want to change their voice because mm-hmm. having a unique voice and being able to stand in it, like you said, is really important. And you're not trying to sound like everyone else. You're not trying to get an A in English class anymore, you know, and um, there is something really powerful about rereading your work. I don't think we do enough of that. I think there's a lot of this new, new, new mentality that we always, people just want new stuff. Um, half of the time you could send them, you could show them something you wrote before and they wouldn't even notice (laughs) and you can just build on what is good, you know, but to take like going, for instance, read through your journals or read through, like you said, read something out loud that you've written. Um, it's again, it's investing energy into yourself. It's investing energy into your relationship and, um, not offloading it into, I've got to make sure that everyone else approves of the way I'm expressing myself, you know? And I think it can be a little bit of a balance because sometimes you get to a point where you can't move forward until you release it. Like sometimes I kind of on purpose will find a a place to share something that's kind of raw just to kind of process it and get to the next level. Like I might make a video about something that, and then I take the transcript and I use that to make a draft, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, or I might share something and then find, oh, people really liked that. So maybe I'll write another article about that. Um, So you can, you can do both, but especially in the beginning, like you're saying, like that is definitely the time when you're the most kind of fragile and it's almost like you could be taught bad habits of always kind of relying on some outside guru to tell you that you're okay. Yeah. And I, I love your um, your example also of working with people who, I mean, if you think about it, we've all been raised in different parts of the world, even in the United States, different parts of the country yeah. have, different, yeah. you know, uh, different expressions and different things like that. And so to come up with a, I feel like we've advanced enough with authenticity to say that someone having a different cadence has just as much value as someone else so that we can have that individuation and we can have that more diversity. 
Especially if you're publishing now on your own, you know, if you're not going through the old channels of publishing and publishing, not just in books, but online, um, you know, you get to decide, do I want to use some slang here? You know, do I want to start my sentences with and or but? I mean, I know that's a rule people say you can't break, but I do it. I do it all the time because it's how I talk. Um, And I recently have been um, conscious about how I might censor myself because like, you know, spending a lot of time in like Philly and Baltimore and growing up in communities where I've heard a lot of words that are not in like the traditional white vernacular, Mm -hmm. but like, that's still how I think, you know, I, I think with certain words that, um, maybe people aren't used to like a white person saying, you know, not to the point of like appropriating something or acting like someone I'm not, but just like, I don't know, or, or even just spelling things wrong, like spelling the word G U R L instead of G I R L, um, Mm -hmm. to emphasize the way I might say it in something, you know, I'm just sort of been deciding, you know what? I think that this expresses me and it might, create a little friction with someone reading it like that's weird or they might think that's weird um and that's okay that's okay especially now i i i say this all the time now like with ai writing the capabilities that people have to generate writing instantly with the computer um they are not using slang and they're not <laughs> you know making maybe some small grammatical mistakes or or whatever and that uh is a dead giveaway that when you are using slang and maybe making a few mistakes here and there, like you're not a robot. And I think that it's almost a badge of honor or, and if it's not yet, it will be. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to turn our attention to your heartfelt writing challenge and have you tell people about that. And, and I just want to say that I know for myself, one of the ways that I've used the challenge is to challenge my thinking and to sort some things out, which you had talked about like early things. So I just want to say that and tell us about the 21 day heartfelt writing challenge. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, Yeah. I love helping people sort things out. I love helping people to have inspiration and to kind of answer their own questions because I've learned that you can ask someone for advice, but until you come to it yourself, it's not really yours. You know, it's not really yours. It's not really, um, couldn't, it maybe won't be right for you, but also you might not even hear it. You know, um, there's something about coming up with your own answers. That's just probably the most powerful thing that can happen. Um, so yeah, so I do these writing challenges. I've done them now. I think the first time was 2015, uh, to do a writing group. And, um, so it's like a free kind of pop-up event that happens. Um, I took a break for a while, but now I'm thinking it's going to be like a couple times a year and December 18th is the next one. So every day you get a writing prompt and these are, I've been told I'm really good at the prompts, just coming up with something kind of simple to jog you to reflect. And there might be a theme for the, uh, the whole challenge. This one, my th- the theme is reinvention. Mm-hmm. Um, And I just get the image of kind of like snow, you know, I don't know if you, I know you often spend a lot of time in California, but like when you're, when you experience snow, it kind of transforms a place Mm -hmm. to, um, 
add this little white touch of white everywhere. It kind of reinvents it. It's the same fundamentally, but it's got the freshness. So that's what I'm talking about for reinvention. You don't have to like throw everything that works out the window and be a different person. Um, but just adding a little bit of style, a little bit of something positive to things. And that's the point of the challenge is that it's, it's something you can, um, start your day with and write something that is, um, drawing your mind to a positive place, kind of starting the day off. Right. And then if you have other writing to do, then it will kind of prime the pump for you to unlock inspiration for your book or your business. But I really do encourage you. So it's not like, um, the particular prompts aren't about like write a, a fiction story. You know, this is for more nonfiction writing, writing about your thoughts and feelings and desires and ideas, and even maybe reflecting on the past or thinking about the future, figuring stuff out in some. Okay. Yeah. And then we also have a Facebook group if you want to connect to people. And I do post the um, the prompts on different places on social media. We've got Facebook, Instagram, and threads right now. And then I have an email list to keep you informed with like the big announcements you also get some resources like a digital tracker to keep track of when you're writing so that you can use that to improve your daily writing habit if you want to have one. And um, yeah, and I have so much fun. It's really something I look forward to every time. Really enjoy it. Thank you. Now I'm even more excited. The reinvention. I like that. And- yeah. yeah. And it's called heartfelt writing challenge because it's, yeah, it's about tapping into your heart. And also, although you might have privacy with a lot of the things that you write, perhaps there'll be something that you want to share about the process or something you wrote with others. And this is going to be the kind of writing that you can help you make heartfelt connections with other people on this deeper level. I yeah. love And I just want to let the listeners know, look in the show page description here because the link to join is there as well as Sophia's website so that if you're listening to this after the challenge, then you um, will be able to get updates from her about when the next one is. So I love doing it more than once a year and always inspiring. So just to wrap up, I wanted to ask you if you would tell everyone about the ways that you work with writers and how they mm-hmm. can work with you. Sure. And I also wanted to share one quote that came to mind that I forgot to mention, which is that there's, I heard a quote about love and how love, you need privacy to develop love, a loving relationship with someone to have that intimacy. You need privacy to have intimacy and that's how love forms. And so I think that we need to apply that also to ourselves and have some kind of disconnection from others to have that private space where you can love yourself more and have more intimacy with yourself. And so that's kind of, that's like one of the things that I really like to do is create spaces where you can do that. So I've got a six month writing group where you can get together in a small group of select really cool people. I call them mermaids at heart who want to write. And right now, um, the theme is always a little bit different, but most people who come in are entrepreneurs working on writing for their book or business or writing about their life stories and experiences. And they want to share it with others to help people. 
And um, the theme for this one is paths of service, really helping you figure out between all the things that you do, all the things you're juggling, you know, what's the next way for you to be of service in a way that also meets your own needs and fills your own cup too. And the other thing I do in a few months, I'll be starting a digital organization membership to help you to organize your private writing, um, which really helps you to use your time well, especially if you stop and start or have a lot of things you juggle. That is currently free for everyone in the writing group, uh, the six month writing group. It's all bundled together. But in the future, it'll be two separate programs. And then I also do um, individual coaching one-on-one. And my favorite way to help people is my deep coaching package, which is six months. And we do weekly check-ins. We don't get on the phone. We do it virtually, but then you can submit writing to me, or you can just talk to me every week about your writing process, about your thoughts and feelings. And it's a private space, which is one person, one loving person to be your cheerleader, to be a helpful guide, to help encourage you with different questions or positive reflections to help you to explore your private writing, your stories, with the things you want to say, and maybe decide what is important to you and what do you want to share versus what are those extraneous details that you can just have in your own notebook. (laughs) What goes online, what stays home, and if you have a business, how to connect all of that so that you can get those clients that absolutely adore you. Um, So those are my favorite things to help people with. And then, of course, I have my free challenges and lots of articles and videos on YouTube and things like that. Well, and there's all kinds of links in the uh, show description here so that you can click on those and go go check out all the different um, ways that you have creative self-expression and sharing those ideas with others. So Sophia, thank you so much for being here. I I always love our conversations. And you know, the thing about knowing you for so long is I can really feel the depth of how you've cultivated mm. your your writing, your approach to writing, your understanding of voices and putting things out into the world, as well as learning from this evolution of social media that, Mm. you know, putting things out in the world, what is connection and all. And I know that you and I will have some additional conversations. We've talked about doing some more um, podcasts to have some more conversations about this. And just to wrap it up today, is there, are there, is there a thought you want to leave people with today? Um, I just, what's just coming to my head is the, um, the thing that inspired me a lot that kind of sat in the back of my head a long time was I came across an, a digitization of George Orwell's journals and the cool little things he wrote day after day, year after year, and just seeing them so many years later. I mean, I don't know if he knew he was going to be famous, but maybe we should all act like we might be. <laughs> and keep a cool journal that can get quibbled out um postmortem <laughs> yeah i mean we're all uh famous to someone right yeah yeah we are we are i do think some people and maybe we'll talk about another conversation but don't forget you can always put a password on it you can lock it up digitally these days so you don't have to worry about that but i i, I also read a quote that said something like um people used to journal 
for their own private reflections, but no one does that anymore because we only write to get attention. Mm. And it spoke to me. And again, there's nothing wrong with writing to get attention, but we're missing out if we don't also honor our own attention and how powerful and precious that is too. I love that. All right. We'll stop with that. And thanks everyone for listening and come back for more because there will be further conversations on this. Yeah, after thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye now.